Hit record. Are we ready? I guess we're ready. Okay. You're listening to Lame, the Lexington... I don't know. I didn't pick it. Do you want to pick an A? Oh, God. I I thought about it, but I couldn't think of anything. Oh, I was thinking of... Yeah, I I was thinking of something good, too. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking... I have no... The uh, Lexington Archetypal Marxist Experience. There's that. I was. I don't have anything better. Uh, ooh, the Lexington R. No, do we already do that one? R. R. Like pirates. Sure. Why not? Um, we can reuse ones. We've I was trying it. to think of something with the road diet, and the best I could come up with is like automobile or something. Atrophy. I already. We definitely have done that one. We maybe done that one twice. Uh, apocalyptic hot. Apocalyptic storms. Marxist experience. Ang- ang- angry Barry Saturday. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jenry, and we're joined today by Blake Hall, which is so exciting to it's have. The seventh of July. Oh, sorry, oh, yeah. I just interrupted. No, you. that's good. Well, that's probably that's probably right. It's the seventh of July. What year is it? Twenty twenty two. Great, and twenty twenty, part two. Why do you say that? Because it's twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty. Also two. That sucks. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> this is a podcast about some things, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a period of time, you'll know that we um, frequently reference um, a guy on Twitter, um, and uh, he, this is, folks, let it be said here, I know he's already been on the podcast once before, but don't, if you really want to be on a podcast, you just got to become the reply guy to them. I'm, I'm sure it works a hundred percent of time. Just harass them enough. Yeah. Just be, I mean, just Slash be correct them. Unrelenting, unrelenting, send feedback, you know, and see how well it turns out for you. Um, we're anyway. looking at you, Peter Warren. Yes. Actually. Oh, that was, don't I look. will get Peter on this. That was my joke. I was thinking about last night. Sorry. We can't, we, we can't, I, I'll touch you off mic. It's good. It's good though. Um, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> anyway, um, we have some stuff to get to. One, the real piece of news that happened that I was like, man, if only I could get Blake Hall to be on the podcast to, to talk about this. And that was a few days ago. Um, so how conveniently it's happened. Um, folks, Lexington's going on a road diet. Um, specifically Limestone? North Lime from 4th to 7th. And 7th is where it goes back to two-way. Gotcha. So you might be asking yourself, what is a road diet? Um, and I, let me say this, I don't know what nonprofit group thought of the thought, decided to think of the phrase road diet. Um, Are we cutting our car calories? Something good. Well, actually not. I feel like there's probably going to be more parked cars on that street after we get done with it. I, I think it's more so like a, um, a, a way to phrase it as like, we're not taking away space from the cars. We're just like making the road a little smaller. It's a diet. Like, I think it's supposed to yeah. just, you know assuage some fears well anyway i'm shocked it's happening i was gonna do a whole piece on it but like you know all about this yeah i watched the um i watched it live on like tv the presentation and it, it was a bit of a roller coaster of emotions mm-hmm. uh went through um you know cautiously optimistic because it's even being discussed yeah to Pretty disappointed in what our city's traffic department came up with. Mm-hmm. And then uh, surprisingly more optimistic 
due to uh, public comment and council comment of all things. Um, so essentially what the they're looking at, um, to give background, there in the last like five years, there's been 149 collisions. Um, that's not necessarily, I don't remember something like 50 injuries. Um, but that includes things like uh, a lot of hitting parked cars because there are parked car there there is street parking on some of that area i can't remember i think mm-hmm. it's two blocks or so two of the three blocks yeah. and um right now it's two wide um one-way lanes leaving downtown and once it hits seventh uh, i think there's a right lane and then there's a left and through lane where it then goes back to two-way and what traffic has started proposing it as, it, or at least at least this is like the initial proposal that because this is a um, proposed to the Environmental Quality and Public Works some, Committee. Yes, I thought it was for some reason going to be planning and public safety. Right. Um, well, it's it's public works because that's where traffic's under. Yeah. Um, which is super weird. Which is why. I, when you see me on Twitter complain about traffic stuff, I tag Live Green Lex because that's their department, which like is division, whatever. Yeah, I remember I once got added by Live Green Lex when the day they the day they gave up on paper recycling. Um, I made some tweet where I'm like, it's really it's really over for us, ain't it? Um, and they like like were name searching themselves that day. Because I didn't That's tag funny. anyone or anything, but they just replied to me out of the blue, and it was some sort of like generic thing. But I'm like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I took my Twitter private that day, um, and I've, I've never come back out. I, I, I live in fear. Um. Yeah. So their their initial proposal is to um, take the two travel lanes, the car lanes, um, and convert it to by narrowing it because they're pretty wide. In, especially in the the one block where there is no street parking, um, and take it down to one car lane with two lanes of parking and a bike lane. Um, importantly, the, yeah, the, take a while. Guess where the bike lane is in this scenario? <laughs> yeah. So if you're if you're looking at it and you know left to right, it's parking, car lane, bike lane, parking. Um, often what's referred to as a door zone bike yeah. lane. Is uh, a, a, a problem that um, only the uh, uh, the people of Amsterdam seem to have solved. Um, you know, well, I mean, even so, they they, they gave this proposal, um, and I was getting frustrated because I was like, "This is this is bullshit," and a lot of their reasoning was really weak. Um, one of them was. Uh, they they wanted to keep the bike lane next to the travel lane because that to to maintain driver expectation because that's where they all the other bike lanes in the city are. I'm just it, that's what's because I feel like having the car park is a perfect way to like like do like the old school like like Dutch city model mm-hmm. like protected bike lane and a right turn that meets the bike lane at a ninety degree angle yep. instead of so you know. Oh, well, it, I guess. It's so much better in numerous ways. And what is it? Um, 
they t- they talk, uh, traffic engineering talks about conflict points. So if you're turning left mm-hmm. um, on like a regular intersection, you have the there's a potential conflict point where you cross either lane of uh, perpendicular traffic. There's a conflict point when you cross the oncoming traffic. Mm-hmm. If there's a bike lane, there's a conflict point there. If there's a crosswalk, there's a conflict point there. By putting the parking on the other side of the bike lane, anytime a car pulls in, out, opens their door, hence door zone, it's all a potential. It, like the bike lane is going to be obstructed, and yeah. either cyclist has to slam on the brakes or just be wary of it, or they have to suddenly merge into car traffic. Yeah, which is, I mean, so so funny that, like, you know um, – Really, I guess, uh, no, uh, uh, keeping it no different. Every, every part of the bike lane is now a conflict zone again. Um, mm-hmm. But, and geez. Well, and the other thing is, one of the, one of the kind of reasons they're doing this is that it, it's relatively cheap because it's just going to be paint. It's paint, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, and, folks, it's paint. Yeah, and paint doesn't protect. But um, they're, I think that they're planning on using some of the, like, left, hopefully leftover money from something on some part of the clay's mill thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, it was like 40 to $50,000. Um, but the thing that really annoys me is I'm like, okay, cool. Like you're, you're putting a bike lane, do it right. I know because by having it, the parking there, you've all but guaranteed that that will never be a protected bike lane because you can't put up barriers or anything. If you're expecting cars to have to I'm seeing it park. now, yeah. the, the bike lane is getting put in the parking lane is there. And then what's going to happen? Delivery drivers yep. park in the bike lane. Yep. Well, and it's just like we we have problems you know, with that everywhere. <laughs> I'll say this: one in a genius maneuver by giving every person two parking spots, no one in the city is double parking, <laughs> theoretically. And yet, some people still find a way to do it. Yeah. But. <laughs> but yeah. So that's um, the the other thing I don't personally like about it is um at least for that one block they're introducing street parking where there is currently none yeah and i understand the concerns where they're saying like you know the households here don't have off street parking and even in the article that the herald leader wrote up about it they said like one of the residents was like people don't like parking on the street because their cars often get sideswiped and it seems incredibly backwards to me that Rather than uh, making it easier to live in these areas without a car, or at least you know making some accommodation that is elsewhere for their car, like on a side street or mm-hmm. something, they are going to have worse bicycle infrastructure while also publicly subsidizing private car storage. Yeah, it's um, it's cool. Love it. Obviously, can't get enough of it. I, whoa, guys. All right, I'm sorry. We're folks. We're recording in an undisclosed location, obviously, um, uh, with with terrible acoustics. Uh, um, so you must forgive this. I completely lost my train of thought here. I was gonna say, um, what? Once again. It is like you're trying. We're trying to do stuff with streets that is not what we've been doing. Um, but the need to frame it and think about it through the eyes of like, like home, like like the like like home ownership and like like home buying ship and like you know like oh, but can you park your car? What are the you know? 
Um, Still on the baseline assumption that everyone has and needs a car. Especially because, like, that's, like, a pretty... I don't know. Not not like like that's pretty downtown. Yes. That section of limestone, you know. Not that I'm saying you could uh, get away. I don't know. I'm pretty. I feel like you need a car if you want to get to a lot of this city. But even then, I don't know. I'm like, there's other places to put the car. I'm never struggling to find a place to park when I'm downtown. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to interrupt this because yeah, my wife just texted me. Uh, Peter just stopped by my house. No <laughs> He's, this is he really knows. something. He's um, like, where, where are those, where are those lame? We found out he actually used to own the house next door to me in the 90s. Wow. But yeah, so it, it's, it's pretty much like, it's Peter good talk. that they're uh, like acknowledging that there is a problem. It's one of those unique situations where all the residents sort of also agree because the ideal situation would be that it's it's two way um, mm-hmm. because having a multi lane one way just encourages jockeying where people are you know cutting back and forth to just mm-hmm. speed up and it makes it a drag strip by having my issue with um, the parked cars is while it does work as a traffic calming measure um, and it, it it works on my street in mm-hmm. Kenwick. At certain times of day, mm-hmm. when the cars are actually there, yeah. when the cars are not there, it's, it, it, it's people drag strip through. Yeah. yeah, so there are plenty of things that they could do that be better, um, and it, it, it's just I've said it before, and I don't mind saying it on a podcast, but uh, we have. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always there. well, I always try to like defend city employees because they catch a lot of flack for a lot of stuff that is not their fault or that there's like valid reasons, but it just is inconvenient for somebody. Yeah. The traffic department is the one major thing that is holding our city back. Yeah. It's they're entirely backwards. Yeah. Once again, person to person, whatever, like those guys are, you know, how bad could they be personally? On the other hand, we did. I mean, we, we need to set fire to the Phoenix hotel. They're they're not the Phoenix hotel. What Phoenix building you're talking about the, it's the old, um, yeah, what old hotel are they based out of? Phoenix Hotel burned down. The well, yeah, well, we got that one. Oh, <laughs> uh, Peter's gonna get mad at me. Uh, is it the Lafayette? That sounds right. Ish. I, so. I don't know. Um, Reply now on Twitter if you know yeah, the right answer. Quick. <laughs> but <laughs> um, well, and traffic's in the Phoenix Building, which is like around the corner on Lime and um, Vine. Right. Yeah. Well, so here's what I want to know: Is mm-hmm. the people on Limestone who live there now have cars? They're parking them somewhere else, and right. they're, I guess, doing fine. What so. are they? I mean, they haven't resorted to parking in their lawns. <laughs> I, yeah, and I mean, they they like had community meetings, and I was not there, and I haven't seen any like write ups from that. But I, I imagine if you're like, hey, what we're changing the street, what would you like to see? People who own cars that are like parking them around the corner and would like to park in right in front of their house, they're gonna ask for parking, but. There's nothing that people they they rarely like check to see or like kind of validate that to say like okay how much of an issue is it like mm-hmm. is it one thing where like this person has to park park three blocks away and walk yeah maybe you want to see about making some accommodations like with a permit system or something uh-huh. like that but um, it's asking people 
what they want, you're going to get like the top level of everything. Like I would like a castle with 30 acres mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. shark infested moat. I would like a mixed use neighborhood with underground bicycle. Park. Yeah. I, I was about to say, I was like, like, Oh wow. Yeah. Um, we got a lot of interesting feedback. You know, we got to do parking. We'll do that. Uh, someone, someone at the traffic meeting wanted a proletarian workers revolution in accordance with the mass line in a protracted people's war. So we're going to do that. I just, I want the, the Lexington uh, Karl Marx Hof, yes. the, the, the giant public housing in Vienna. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so it's, luckily this is still pretty early in the process. So I, again, cautiously optimistic that it is, has potential to change. Yeah. Or do we know when it's going to get another viewing at a... I have absolutely no idea because okay. committee stuff is always weird because stuff can languish in committees for i mean adus languished in committees for like two to three years yeah but um i will say the other positive note there were two people that spoke in uh support of it to just citizens um one guy who lives further out but he go he uses he cycles it all the time and while he's like i'm glad this is happening i will say i think he was talking about the last block heading into seventh street it's downhill He's like, it's easy to catch speed. Having a door zone, like when it's slower, door zone bike lane isn't terrible because yeah. you've got a little bit more to like, mm-hmm. you know, time to navigate. But if you're going downhill, um, and then the second one uh, was a transy uh, economics professor, and mm-hmm. he was like, my kids, I think he said like nine and twelve, we ride our bikes with them. He's like, I don't want them riding next to traffic. And like, and he pointed out New York City has realized that door zone. Yeah. And they've been swapping it. The other American cities are picking yeah. that up. It is quite funny that we're like loading, we're like loading in some like deprecated uh, already, just like dead off the shelf. Five, ten years behind. Mm-hmm. So, and then even uh, council, uh, the council members there were like asking because it went public comment and then council comment. Okay. And so um, like Josh McCurran surprised me by being like, yeah, why, why can't we swap the bike lane and the, yeah. the, that does seem safer, blah, blah, blah. I've never um, been able to get a read on Josh McCurran. I don't know what his deal is. He he's, he's pretty good. I think overall um, I disagree with him on some things, but he is at least open and like, He is aware of things that he is not, like, an expert in and open to, like, talking to him. Well, now he's got some insane – both him and General Reynolds have, like – I forget what they're – we need to get our new maps. They have some insane – like, they – Right. They were one of the – they were, like, the two that were most affected with the redistricting. Because Jennifer Reynolds got, like, pretty massively suburbanized. But I don't know what happened to Josh McKern. But that's – this is in James Brown District, yes? Yeah. This is all in Brown. Um, first district, but even Maloney was like, "Yeah, this. That's why are great. we? Why are we doing this? This seems like it would be safer to do it this way." And um, the the thing that they were, I would also say, get rid of one lane of parking. And hey, look, you have all this buffer lane. It really, yeah. Um, and even if we don't put bollards or barriers there now, if we swap it, yeah, it's a potential thing down the line. Um, but the the thing they were saying is because. At the Seventh uh, Street intersection, they're going to make it three lanes. Whoa! With a right lane, a, four, a through lane, and a left lane, and, and the so, right lane that cuts through the bike lane. 
Exactly. Great. That's and, a classic. And that's why they they said they didn't want to put the bike lane on the other side. They said they first looked at that um, because then the bike lane, the bike would have to like cross two lanes of traffic to go through. Or <laughs> hear me out, guys. Yeah, just make it a through, like keep it like a through, keep it what it is now, a through and yeah. right. Or or even, or even, I'm just saying, I mean, really hear me out, like, it just just put the bike lane into the curb, you know, mm-hmm. easy. They've, we've got this one forever. Final, final yeah. bike talk. So much of American, um, so much of American bicycle infrastructure design. Very, very quiet, very quiet. It's like slowly going. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Great, great, great. Folks, you're witnessing magic happening in real like life here. It's like 90 degrees out and I biked here. I can, ha- really... I can enjoy an ice cold LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Props to props to everyone who biked and or sprinted here. Um, <laughs> I drove a block. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you know, so much of American street design is designed for really flat areas. And I think that is one issue that Lexington constantly runs into issues. Like, Aaron, I know you tried to get one of those, like, Dutch-style bikes Mm-hmm. And it was not that useful for you because you had to go up like what Upper Street? I had to go up the, no, the Rose Street Hill. Yes. Oh yeah. I went so when um, before it was closed when I was on campus, um, I remember walking walking that hill to campus, and a, a cyclist was holding onto the rear of the UPS truck and just like yes. as it was like stopping and going up there. And I was like, I don't blame you because one, it's not very it's not like it's unsafe because, again, it was like stop and go traffic. Yeah. But I was like, I don't want to walk up this hill. I would hate to do it on a bike. Well, yeah. my my part of it, it was the other hill that's on um, Vine. And high between or after high oh, street is that yeah. that part, and then that's the Broadway like, one. That's where... like in real traffic. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, that's bad. It, it, it's terrible trying to do a Dutch bike on that way. Yeah. No way. It's no. rough. Fine. These people that live in these damn flat cities, we got they these got rolling it, hills got all easy. over the place. And you know, it's not who put them there. And I envision, I envision a Lexington where everyone's calves are ripped. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, we got to just, just the, just the need, just the mere need to overcome all this, uh, kinetic potential energy in the city, you know, is really going to do something wonderful. Well, let us. me tell you the e-bike market in this city. Oh yeah. Honestly, if you, uh, going, going, putting, going long on the e-bike company, that's not, that's, to- that's one of, one of my dreams. Well, we got that. Have you seen that e-bike rental place in a container over by West Six on no, the Legacy yeah, Trail? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'll they say, just popped you know, out, and I was like, "What?" I'll <laughs> say this: um, I don't, not dockable, but like those e-bikes that like um, that like lock themselves or mm-hmm. whatever that like Chicago has. They're coming to UK at least. Mm-hmm. If you go to the top floor Spin? of the. No, it's these. Oh, this they've bird. The, they've been bird. here since they've last been semester. Here? Where we've talked about them on the show. What? Yeah. So no, Where? they they changed line. spin. Um, so we don't have lime anymore. We just I think we just have bird and spin, and they mostly have scooters throughout the rest of the city, but um, around UK they have some e-bikes now i can actually talk about this okay because i know i've talked to the head of transportation for uk about this specific thing (laughs) okay oh um shane 
No, no. I don't remember her name. Oh, Sandra then. Sandra, yeah. Sandra brought us. Um, she, okay, so basically... To you two. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Basically, UK had a contract with um, Spin for a while. They were seen as kind of a like risky startup, <clears throat> and eventually they started like not delivering on their whatever they were promising Classic. when they were signing their contract. Mm-hmm. You, spin was the one that was bought by Ford. Maybe it's, I can't remember. I don't know. The, the spin, spin bike. I think it was it's the orange. Whoever was doing the old that was school, Spin. That Ford, the Ford Motor Company owns yeah. them now. So mm-hmm. Spin, whatever for whatever reason, decided that the market now is um, scooters. But UK dropped their contract with them to go to Bird. So Bird mm-hmm. is still doing scooters, but now they're like, okay, we're testing out the market for bikes, for yeah. e-bikes, mm-hmm. because e-bikes are pretty popular. But it's for some reason, campus too, people, you know? people can't get enough of these scooters. I'm not... They, they really work well for certain trips, and like, especially for, like, I would imagine... But on campus, like stop and go, it you know having to like catch yourself on. It's a lot easier and more comfortable and just more relaxed on a scooter Mm -hmm, to stop and and go versus a bike. And I don't think um, I just can't imagine paying like two dollars to get to my class faster is what's so crazy. But like the people that I'm doing, I'm like I'm like they I'm like it is like a. For me, it's becoming now. It's just a, like on Canvas. It's just becoming a class thing. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm too poor to get the scooter. Sorry, guys. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like if you're in like Chicago and you're paying the, the fifty dollars to walk outside, anyways, like what's the point? Yeah, yeah, sure, get on the scooter. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing for me, I've noticed, um, like even on my e-bike to get here. Once you get going, like the breeze and whatnot, mm-hmm. it, even though it's like 90 degrees, it was fine. Yeah, it's nice. What sucks is being caught at a stoplight because yes. you're a motor vehicle and then you're just sitting there on unshaded asphalt cooking. <laughs> yes. It's really something, folks. Um, I think that concludes bike talk. <laughs> um, and now we're going to... Um, uh get get into the get into the real real thing guys if you could see our twitter dms if you could see it's 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 the small books i send you it's blake in the 50 spam bots he's paid for <laughs> and they're all telling us you gotta let me talk about development let me talk about development um, well it's blake and then like three civic likes employees that's good that's true um you have to tell me who well, I know one of them's Adrian. Maybe not on the. Maybe not. Maybe not on the. On I'll rat you out. I know. I know you listen to this. Adrian. Maybe not on the tapes. You know, I res- I respect the people that um that uh I respect those who send me threats in the mail. Um, I would <laughs> never, if you're gonna send us a threat, do would, it on the do it in the mail. I would like never weaponize person. my audience against the. Like, <laughs> good good union jobs yeah. for delivering threats versus exactly. VC money on Twitter. Exactly. That's why I only. That's why I only buy. Um, I never. I never. Send Send my death threats through FedEx, anyways. Um, <laughs> through, so, through waste only. So we've been talking about developing things, right? So, Blake Hall, let's get Socratic. I pose to you, what is development? This is weird because I'm also a software developer, so I can take that two different ways. <laughs> uh, no. Um, so 
Well, yeah, to start one of them. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tweak your question and not say like, what is development, but like, what is a developer? Because I think that's like, that the, is a, that is the better. biggest misconception that people have. Cause I mean, even like who is doing this to us, who's well, doing that to us? Yeah. One who's who, doing, that's the developer. Who, who's um, falling up down upstairs. But, um, the, like developers have been like this kind of token bad guy for since it's a wonderful life. I think mm-hmm. that's a, that's in there. And um, they do have a lot of capital. I mean, it's it's an, it's a, they're a good target, right. right? Yeah, they, it's and it's also because they're kind of like the most visible agent of change. Yes, that people see, mm-hmm. and people don't like change. Um, so. There's a bunch of things that they also, and I'm not saying that there's no bad developers, but there's a lot of stuff that's attributed to developers uh-huh. that is misattributed is how I would put it. I'd, okay. And so like, they're not like people aren't complaining about or fighting the right thing mm-hmm. because so one of the things you'll hear around in the neighborhoods around UK is like, they're paving over the backyards. And it's because they're putting in a duplex. Yeah. But then nobody acknowledges that the city requires them to have four parking spaces plus all the maneuvering area. So when you have a small lot, yeah. as you are want to do inside downtown, mm-hmm. that results in the backyard being paved over. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I do get, I mean, I mean, I do have to say, like, really crazy that we've made it this far, like, that, and we haven't reduced. They're working on it. They're working on it. Well, I'm sure they're working on it, but I mean... I'm, I'm, curr- I'm currently reading through the, the draft for that. Wow. Great. Great. Because I'm just thinking over here, you know, I would simply I would simply end parking by um, executive order. Actually, um, instead of like parking minimums... Parking max. Par- no, you have... It's actually negative parking. Mm. So for every building, you have to take away parking spots in the right, somewhere else. <laughs> I, was get, I, I was almost imagining like you have to promise to... You have to promise to a, a, a wage guerrilla warfare on people who park on the street. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I wouldn't say all parking minimums are bad as long as there's their bike parking minimums. Like give us like the actual like storage locker rooms and not just like a, a sketchy rack around the corner in the dark where nobody can see anything. Yeah. I would love, I would love some, some place out of the rain to put my bike mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we're back to bike talking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it permeates everywhere, but yeah. So, so going, going back to like other things, that's misconceptions. Mm-hmm. A lot of the big thing I would point out is that most development, most all development is financed. There's very few, except for like the, I don't know, maybe like when some Fortune 500 company is building their HQ or something mm-hmm. that they have, that somebody is sitting there with a bank account to just pay for it all. And like, you know, cost isn't an issue. Yeah. So because it's financed and there's a whole other conversation about the financialization of housing, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, those loans come with obligations and that dictates what does and does doesn't get built so when like the nimbies around campus complain about its vinyl siding and not brick siding or whatever uh that could be the difference depending on the size of the building or whatever that that could be the difference between whether it pencils out or not because no investor is going to give them money 
for a project. They want returns on that. And um, most construction loans are short-term, as in they are, are typically meant for the construction period. Yeah. And they come do it then. So for homes, what happens is like the developer will take the two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar loan, mm-hmm. build the house, sell it, and then that that like loan kind of becomes a thirty year mortgage or whatever. Yeah. And the same thing can kind of happen with bigger developments. Um, it depends on whether they're building to hold, where they'll they'll hold on to it and mm-hmm. rent it out. But even then part of that rent is still going to investors um, or if they're building to sell. Typically the developer is only getting um, five to 15% of that. So like I was, I was telling you earlier, that also affects nonprofit developers. Cause a lot of people are like, well, if it's a nonprofit, yeah. why isn't it dirt cheap to rent here? Yeah. I got to say pause to this. Cause mm-hmm. this is not this is something I never, I don't know what it's, sorry. Take your time. What in the world is a nonprofit developer? So, uh, one uh, I would point at is the Lexington. um, Oh my God, LCTL, Lexington Community Land Trust. That's um, a nonprofit over in what is now called the Davis Park neighborhood. Right. Um, It came about through incredibly backwards thinking. Uh, 1950s thinking that was happening in 1990s. Classic. Um, That's what we can promise you in the city of Lexington. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it was also this uh, KYTC in the state's fault. But um, Oliver Lewis Way went through a minority neighborhood, which was referred typically uh, historically called Davis Bottom. They call it Davis Park now. Um, But as kind of the, I don't know, making it, quote unquote, making it right. they like KYTC gave a lot of the leftover land that they had acquired mm-hmm. um, to this new found nonprofit, the Lexington Community Land Trust, where um, th- with the goal of having permanent affordable housing. Uh-huh. And so what they do is they they build housing. They're still stuck with zoning, which often dictates what housing they can build. Yeah, the few housing that is out there, I'm like, whoa, why aren't there <laughs> in the, in my downtown? Exactly, and that and that's one of the things is like it's it's they almost have like competing goals because the residents are like 30 percent of their board, so like the residents really control what happens. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, when you ask people what they want, well, I want a white picket fence on a quarter acre or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So they want single family housing. Um, but if you're like, we want to provide as much affordable housing as we can, in that case, there should be towers going through yeah. that because then you make the most out of the land you've got. Do you ever know why they built that insane, like, what looks like one of the like, interstate sound walls along the back of Davis Park? You know, It's because there's a railroad depot back there. <sighs> Sad. Well, they should let it open. Mm, you know? no. Just come on. I mean, the, the play nice with us. Yeah, there's my question about Davis Davis Park is mm-hmm. when are they going to finish or when are they going to start building the farmer's market pavilion? Is that happening? Is that still happening? That is still up in the air. Um, Damn it. <laughs> s- side note, I, I am a member of the, the land trust and I, I, um, I am on their uh, real estate development committee. 
ding, 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 ding. That's the lame pot experience, folks. <laughs> You're talking about it, and what's that? Blake Hall knows something about it. Oh, what's that? Lean a little closer. The man is on the damn board, folks. Anyways. Not on the board. I'm on the committee. But oh, he's um, on the damn committee, folks. I'm on the board of. Uh, I'm one of the boards of City Legs. But um, it's so good. The so, funny. so like they're a nonprofit developer, but since everybody wants the carpenters, the plumbers, the electricians to be paid. New construction is expensive, full stop. If you want it to be affordable, there's like that money has to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, depending on like where, what subsidies and grants and whatnot they can get, even nonprofit developers, they're still only working with that like five to 15%. So that's why when you, uh, have new quote unquote affordable housing, it might meet certain HUD guidelines, but it's like virtually impossible with at least the allowed economies of scale mm -hmm. to build a new like $500 unit. Yeah. Just you would have to build so much and we also don't allow that. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, um, it, I, is this where we get into the controversy? Is the controversy coming? Has we it we, hit? we can. Um, and if you got more, if you have more. Well, and it, the other the only thing I was going to say is like going off of like those construction loans being short term. That's where um, Yimbies and uh, how other like affordable housing advocates and stuff push for zoning reform because, like I said, those construction loans are short term. If you have a project that is held up in a six to nine month zone change hearing, and that's if it's not very contentious. Um, you've got lawyers. If you're having to like redraft and redraw plans to appease the NIMBYs, which you never do, um, that's all cost that has to be, you know, made up with the final rent price. So that's one of the big things is like we were going back to parking. A parking spot in a garage costs anywhere from uh, 25000 to 35000 plus, And who knows with COVID supply chain stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that gets baked into the rent. And if the city is forcing you to make, you know, five more parking spots than you want, that could be a unit that isn't wasted. And since it's now income potential, that brings down that rent. So... Is it going to, you know, market rate is not going to solve the affordable housing thing, but it can at least be part of the answer if we weren't, you know, trying to freeze our neighborhoods in amber the whole time. But, um, yeah, man, you can't, not one more step on Pensacola Park. Do you hear me? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's very historical. Um, but yeah, and so, like I, like I said, I'm a, I consider myself a Yimby. Uh, Yes, in my backyard, as opposed to NIMBYs, not in my backyard. Pretty sure any listener to this podcast would be aware of those terms at this point. God, and if you don't, tune out. Be free, man. <laughs> um, it's a and YIMBY is a relatively new movement, and the main focus of it is that most, well, the nation's affordable housing crisis is the result of, you know, if we drill it down to the most concise a lack of housing, like a housing shortage. Yeah. 
and the kind of the mindset to both adopt YIMBY to counter NIMBYs is to like, yes, we need to build more housing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes because that the YIMBY movement like spans a broad political spectrum from libertarians who are like, you know, zoning is violating what I can do with my property. It's a violation of my property rights Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, leftists who are like build Karl Max Hoff on every block. Um, it gets flack from all directions and uh, you know, whether they're cause they're trying to destroy the suburbs from the right wing or they're um, gentrifying or displacing from the uh, left side. But um, I would say one of the, one of the big things that kind of like most concisely fits my definition of Yimby um, is from California Yimby's 2022 policy framework, where it's just five things. Uh, one of them is secure housing during COVID, so I won't even count that one. But it's legal. Four things. Yeah, four <laughs> things. Legalize multifamily housing. Protect vulnerable tenants from displacement. So that's the thing that the... Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's just like stronger renter protections and, yeah. and stuff. Make it faster, cheaper, and easier to build homes. Um, and th- in that case, it's like allowing more things by right. So you don't have to wait six to nine months just to build a duplex or whatever and um, provide more public funding for subsidized and social slash public housing. So it is full stop, build more housing. Yes. Both public, both market rate, both because that's one of the things that's kind of unique with housing is since we have a shortage at all rent levels, even building new market rate does help to a lesser extent, but it does help lower income people because now you have removed competition for those low rent units. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, folks, it might not, it might not shock you. It might shock you to hear that me and Blake Hall don't agree on everything because I am, and this is where, and this is where I come out as a, like, I'm like into like the silver standard or just something weird. I think I'm pretty, um, I think at this point in time, I think my whole stance on EMBism is, um, only public housing, um, abolish the contractor. Um, which I know, let me say this is not the answer. <laughs> I have you considered a protracted people's war along the mass part, no, along the mass <laughs> line. All right. That's the, that is my, that is my follow up to that. Um, so I would say, I don't know, I would say I'm generally, I'm generally skeptical of the idea that, um, uh, the idea that, uh, locally speaking, the idea that use that, um, even building housing, that's not necessarily quite quote unquote affordable, um, helps the mark, helps reduce supply on these, on, uh, on these housings because, um, I think the uh, like the the people that have the money to pay for these apartments are also the people that have the money to move, right? Um, of course, I don't, I've been watching all these terrifying documentaries that just make me like sit sit in, sit in my my room with the sawed off shotgun and like <laughs> mutter to myself um, about like uh, it's like community in Colorado where all these like you know people that can now you know work from home with their software job. Um, I have guilty a, as charged. Yeah, exactly. I got him. Got him. Kenwick user identified. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like that, you know, they they've come out to this place and have um completely 
you know, have, have driven up the price of every single house, like, you know, three or four times. And the only person building more housing stock is the one woman that like owns all the restaurants in, um, in that whole town. And like, really like, you know, um, so I'm going to, um, take that, take that line of thinking farther. Okay. Um, okay. We, we can go two things that come out. Why is she the only one building it? Does she, is she the only one that owns it? Is she the only one that can afford it? Mm-hmm. Things like that. One of the reasons that it's, it like Yimby's fight for like zoning reform is because as it stands now, it's only the big developers that can afford to jump through all the red tape. Mm-hmm. So you don't get people building duplexes and fourplexes because that has just as much red tape usually as, you know, building a new mid-rise block building like the Lex or uh, what's, the, what's the one where fire? The hub. The hub, yeah. yeah. So Hub one and two. <laughs> if you're going to have to invest that much time and money into it, you're going to have to go bigger. And yeah. to go bigger, you have to have those deeper pockets and more be able to get more financing. So, and then the other thing is, okay, you don't want you don't want me moving into your neighborhood. How do you decide who can move into your neighborhood? Oh, I'm not even. Yeah, I mean, one, you can't, and I think that's the biggest problem with the whole of gentrification is that there's no. I really this and this is really why I'm like 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 big like miss public housing over here is that I really don't know if there I I don't think the market has a solution to like gentrification. Correct. Yeah. I will I will say, you know, I'm I'm not here to like, you know, say that the market's going to fix in everything or uh-huh. whatnot. I'm, you know, again going back to like the the California Yimby thing more renter protection. Some of those things that I would love to see in Lexington, um, things like right to return. If you're displaced because of a new development, you have the right to return to one of those new units Mm. at the same rent that you were paying. Um, and different cities have, you know, different ways of doing that. Like what happens with you in the construction period? Um, there's right of first refusal. You have an apartment building that is being sold. Um, before it can be sold, the tenants actually get the option to buy it. Yeah, that's huge. Um, that's that's a thing that happens in New York um, quite yeah, a bit. I was reading that article um, about uh, that one tenancy union that just accidentally ended up owning their own. Oh, yeah. Like the guy just died or something mm-hmm. instead of selling it, which is very cool. But yeah, so there, there's like a ton of things like that. Um, personally, one of the things that I would like to see, it's, it's a little bit more like legally kind of complicated, mm-hmm. but one of the things that happened in um, Athens, Greece in like post-World War was this whole thing where a developer would go to the homeowner and be like, hey, either, you know, sell me the, the land for a little bit cheaper or wholesale, give it to me and we will put six, seven units on it. You get one or two of those units. So I see the benefit in that is like, you're not displacing anybody. They actually benefit and not just a, a monetary. They're not like getting a nice check and moving out. Yeah. They are still in the community. They are, you know, still get some returns from that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because that, that's I don't like some anti-gentrification laws because they're just kind of like neo-redlining in that you've drawn a line around an area and you said, okay, outside investment is hard to do here now. Yeah. So it it starts getting like dilapidated because nobody, it's like a lot harder to put money in it. I'm not saying there's any solution, but until said revolution happens, yeah, 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 yeah. I believe that zoning reform is like the best way to help the most people. Yeah. I'm saying that, which is, well, this is the great, this is the kind of funny, like contradiction in my mind that we can like, we constantly love to bemoan on this podcast, how much the city wants to bend over backwards to like, like give like large developments like money or like, you know, put in tips, things or whatever. But at the same, you know, and it's like, there is a line I want to ride where on one hand, you know, an easy way for the city to make some things better is to, you know, like, like just like move some of these bureaucratic processes longer. On the Mm -hmm. other hand, I want to see those guys that want to build that gas station on Versailles go through 80 collective hours of, mm-hmm. of, of, of sitting in that zoom call. <laughs> right. Like one of the yeah. things I, I don't know how you would write the law for it, but I would like more scrutiny based on the size of the development. Yeah. If you're turning a house into a duplex, you have like a one page form. Yeah. But if you're turning a 20 acre farm into a subdivision, that's like a two year process. Yeah. Or, or something like that. Because at the, I think there needs to be the carrot and stick because there's all the sorts of issues with suburbs and single family detached mm-hmm. housing. So we should dissuade some of that while also encouraging better infill, which is infor- uh, inherently more affordable. Mm-hmm. And so I might consider you a little bit of a left NIMBY, which was the yeah, other man. thing. Welcome to the left. This is, this is where we're going to, this is the, this is the um, left wing nimbyism in, infi- in, in infantile <laughs> disorder by Blake Hall. <laughs> yeah. So um, left, it, it kind of, it's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. but um, it's really rose up to kind of like as a pushback against the whole Yimby movement. But there's like what people are calling uh, left nimbies or progressives, um, and I mean it. Re- it's amazing, actually, how much I, I, I mean. Have, I wonder if any of those guys have read Lenin, because really, <laughs> I mean, it's really got a. It's got that kind of kind of ring to it. Well, like s- some. So I, this is co- completely my own. I don't think I've really found this. I kind of put the left nimbies into two camps. Okay, you get the like the first camp is your your like social liberals or uh-huh. whatever, where. Um, you know, they support civil rights and more political rights and things like that, but they're typically older, whiter, and homeowners. Uh-huh. Um, so you get a mix of old school hippies and then the, the quote unquote young professionals. Uh-huh. The ones that can still afford to buy a house. Yeah. They got the ones with software jobs. I mean, yes. let's be real. Come on. I mean, um, <laughs> honestly, I don't know if I could afford Kenwick if like six years after I've moved there. I, 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 that sounds, that checks out. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, but, and so like for the, the, they'll, they'll say like, they believe in climate change. Their arguments are typically about like green space environment or, yeah. or in freaking Lexington stormwater runoff. Yeah, man. Um, and they're telling you how great, like it is like to have a boat in Norway. Yeah. It's like, they'll, 
They'll, they'll have the signs that say like, you know, they'll have the black lives matter signs, the oh, immigrants welcome here, but then they'll also have like the no to the apartment, protect our neighborhood character. Yeah. Sign. So it's those like, are, those are some the classic characters. We've all seen them folks. Um, and, um, I will say for like, I understand, I at least understand kind of how some of like the, the older people got there. Because some of them lived through, like, the city's urban renewal time. Yeah. So they got, like, super defensive and went to, like, one side of the... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also, like, you have a, there's a, you have a fundamental material interest against this stuff. Yes. If you, if, if you, like, own, like, a single-family home or whatever, God, why you... You now have a scar- if, scarce yeah. commodity. If you're... If you're if, I mean, just even, even beyond owning the commodity, just the whole, like, socioeconomic strata you're in, you're like, God, no, this is it. We made it, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... And it's funny. I mean, very uh, that and folks like it or not, that is the face of progressivism <laughs> in this country. It, um. And it, it it really is. And one of the, so what I'd say the other camp is usually leans harder to the left. Mm-hmm. They're usually renters. They're usually younger. While they are not as white, they are still pretty white. Mm-hmm. Um, but their arguments are usually about affordability, gentrification. Um, and general anti-capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't have any new housing if a developer makes a buck on it, um, kind of thing. But amen. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, like, my thing is, I would say, like, both groups are are pretty short-sighted. Um, all things considered, uh, you know how environmental, like. What leg does your environmentalist argument have when everything shows that, you know, higher density is better because you're not forcing everybody to drive a car? And Man, and I mean, and environmentalism is one of those things that's like, I think, like, since really it came about, like, in its current form from, like, like the 90s onwards, has just been, like, totally fraught with, like, I mean, eco-fascism. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I wish they consider this. Let the developers build their things. Yes. Then yeah. in the revolution, you take them over. That's the, yeah. You take it from them. This is what I'm getting. I'm on the line with the Politburo. I'm trying to do my <laughs> revolution in Malaysia. And they're like, have you considered letting the, the forces of capital develop further? And then I die. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, I, it, yeah. But, and then, like, on, on the other hand is, like, be like, no, no development in this working class neighborhood. And it's like, okay. The, the working class neighbors are like, hey, some the software engineer showed up and had a check that was five times what I paid for my house, so I'm moving. Yeah. Um, or the other thing, that, and we still we get a little of this in, in Kenwick, is you have families. Well, I have three kids. Mm-hmm. They're not as it's if things continue the way they are, my kids will not be able to live in Kenwick while I'm alive. And then, so like they can either move into Kenwick when I'm dead and one of them gets the house, yeah, 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 or they become a lawyer and then they can move in. So it's like one of those things. It's 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 really kind of short sighted because again, you kind of get to the question of who decides who can live here. Like, yeah. uh, but um, if you want a perfect example, the Lexington DSA. All right, hit us with this. There one. you go. Hit us with this one. Um, Bringing out the big guns. Yeah. That's right, folks. If if you remember, this was oh god, I can't remember. maybe add like two years before COVID timeline. Uh, this would have been like four or five years ago, I think. It sounds right. Eighteen, um, I think. Yeah. Um, the there was the talk of the Maxwell development, 
this was going to be a, a tin story on the um what well, whatever Stone Lexington and Maxwell. Yes, yes. This was a this was actually this was like 2019. I think. Yeah, yeah because it was the it was, it was the last thing I really talked to uh, Jake Gibbs about. Yeah, before he died. Um, but yeah, okay. So first, ten stories. Um, granted, this was like two blocks from go big. Why not <laughs> uh, Samaritan? So yeah, it was already like. It's not like that big of a deal. It's also right across the street from campus. Yeah, it's um, – let me say this. Driving down Maxwell, it gives you a very deceptive image of what the na- of what the buildings immediately behind all of those houses right. look like. It is a weird – like it is a weird oasis and like pretty – and even some of the houses, like if you start looking closely, you've seen like all these like UK signage on them mm-hmm. and stuff. Like they're all you – know. It's because they've like bought them and they're like, okay, we need to throw – you know a department into this house which i love i mean that's a classic uh university thing it's just like man we just gotta get some houses which honestly they're probably better custodians of um uh, considering you look across the street yeah and they've been cut so it was going to uh replace nine i believe uh quote-unquote houses that had (laughs) granted depends on your definition yeah Because they looked cute or whatever. Yeah, from the the outside, outside, if you took your glasses off. Um, I've talked to two people who have been in those, and they were like, yeah, there was – there's nothing. There's one house. I I forget. It's – maybe it is on stone on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. It's one of these houses, and it's like the third – it's like one of like the side units of the house – and I remember looking at the listing, and every time I drive by it, I think about it. It's um, they're like they're like in in the listing. It's like you know, one not that cheap. Two, mm-hmm. um, it's like the, the they're like the front door is broken. It cannot be opened. <laughs> um, you will always have to come in through the Good back security. door. But it's like all you can see <laughs> of the front house, just like <laughs> also. I'm pretty sure that's a code violation, probably. Right, not to take care. Yeah, posting that shit on Zillow, whatever you know. Well, and and so like that that was kind of the thing because you had um, you had the surrounding neighborhood. So this is um, I talked to one guy who who was an older guy, and he he referred to that that area of Maxwell as the chink in their armor because that was the one place that they didn't get H one protection from. Regardless of the fact that H one only protects the outside, it doesn't do anything about the inside. Yeah. So most of these. Houses have long been cut up into student apartments, mm-hmm. and not the nicest ones. They're they're student slums. Let's uh, be honest. Well, one of them burned down recently. Um, Demolition by neglect. So. Yeah, I mean, really, it's it, it, really. I mean, really, something. I mean, I remember I actually toured that apartment. Um, one of the saddest things I've ever seen, and there were like twenty of us. All looking at it. Oh my goodness. It was rough. Yeah. Start calling them not houses, but um, house-like buildings. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's the essentially shelters. what it was. It was built at a house originally, but you know, it's uh, it is not a, what it looks like now. And so, people were coming out of the woodwork, all from around, um, and you had the typical things of like they're historic. I was like, okay, if it's historic, uh, who lived there? Who died there? Who did anything of import there? Yeah. No, it's architectural hoarding is what they were wanting yeah. to do. Um, and so there, there was complaints about that. There were complaints about traffic, about having that many people there. Um, not enough parking, shadows, um, yeah. other, yes. But there was also the Lexington DSA who was like, we don't need this housing. We need affordable housing. And 
Yeah, were they slated to be? Was there what? What no. I know, I never remember what the. I haven't never actually saw any renders of the building. Um, I, I I saw them. They were they were marketed towards students. Granted, uh-huh. it was it's like I can go if I wanted to and try to rent from the Lex. It's not like they're going to say, "Oh, you have a job, you can't live here." <laughs> yeah, they're like, probably like great. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but they were like, "Yeah, that's our market," and they're like, "It's going to be student apartments and." You know, the student apartments have turned out fine. Got, yeah, yeah. Can, can, what, what is there now? There are student apartments, yeah. uh, just not as many. So there was all this pushback. And then, but like the DSA was like, we need affordable housing. And I was like, saying no to this does not get you affordable housing. Yeah, that is, it, this is, I think, the um, that classic. Uh, I, I'm sure you've seen this tweet, but I saw it and every time I thought about it, um, is when they, uh, they tore down that Burger King. I don't know in what city. They oh. tore down a Burger King to build it. And someone was like, but how many of those units are affordable? Yeah. And I don't know. Not that – let me say this. One <laughs> – How many in the Burger King were? Yeah. One, how many – two, I get where the person that said that come from. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, like if you're if you're doing it, you should – it should be being done in a certain way or whatever. But um, it the problem when you oppose it, right, I think in a certain way – is and this is I would say this to the I would say this to Yimbies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're opposing something, look who's standing. Look who is standing with you on that. You know, yep. like what kind of what are the types of people that are that you are that you are fighting side by side with to make this you know not happen? Yeah, and so like we had the Lexington DSA standing shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of you know older, whiter homeowners. Mm-hmm. Who were and, and in some cases the landlords of the surrounding buildings yes. that were there to be speak against it, um, and so that was the one thing. And this is this is what um, so my I, I changed my public comment for that meeting because mm-hmm. I was like I'm not going to go in and be like this adds a lot more housing. We need housing. We have a housing shortage. You know, it's walkable. It's next to campus. Uh, I don't know if the hub had been built at that point. The hub had, oh. It, it, it was at least. I think the first one had definitely opened. Yeah. yeah. Before so, COVID. Well, because yeah. then you could say, like, it's it's right here. It's in between two grocery stores between Euclid, Kroger, and Man, Target. Man, brief, brief side point. Mm-hmm. I can't believe. I keep remembering what that Jersey Street parking lot looks like. That was crazy that we had that. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And so, like, I changed. Uh, my public comment from being like trying to say the praises for why we should do this to being like, um, I pretty much went up and was like, I know this isn't going to happen. So I'm going to tell you what's going to happen and what's not going to happen when you disper- when you uh, deny this. Mm-hmm. There will not be any new affordable housing. Those students that would have lived here are not going to just be like, well, guess I can't go to college now. And disappear they're just going to compete for the existing affordable housing near campus Mm -hmm. and i was like nobody there's not going to be some wealthy benefactor that's going to come in and buy and restore all of these old buildings bill got and died he can't yeah exactly i was like so i was like nothing is going to change everything will still keep getting worse um when when my wife ran into Jake Gibbs the the week before he died, uh, mm-hmm. she asked him what he thought of my comment, and he his response, which I kind of wear as a badge of honor, was, uh-huh. "I don't think he made that many friends." That's good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so and that's kind of the the aspect of you know 
we were we were talking about how like the DSA just re- posted something about being like more housing won't fix our housing problem, and I you know head hit desk, but. Uh-huh. They were talking about the discrepancies in funding between the PDR program and the Affordable Housing Trust. I'm like, that's a valid point. Yeah. You started it off, though, by shooting yourself straight in the foot. Yeah. So, you know, talk about that. Talk about affordable housing. And, yeah, I do think the city should be investing more into it. And uh, I think that the mayor's, what is it, $3 million? Something like that. I... It, if you don't allow better infill, you're just subsidizing bad infill. <laughs> so it's kind of bad. yeah. I, you know, it's I don't know. Maybe there's some you know, the, and maybe there's some opportunity like if you like hyper concentrate that like to start making like these like smaller projects like more like uh, pleasing to investors. But mm-hmm. then I'm like at the same time I'm like I don't know how much I really want to be pleasing investors. I'd rather just the city spend $3 million building some like three rise apartments. Right. And you know? and that was, that was one of the things it's like, um, going, there was a similar example I, I saw on, uh, Twitter. I think it was in New York. Um, there was a proposal for like, I don't remember. I'm going to pull numbers out of my ass. It was like 130 units, uh, 30 of which were going to be affordable because, uh, of, uh, in what's called inclusionary zoning, mm-hmm. which is if you're going to build some, there's sometimes a requirement for a percentage of them to be affordable, mm-hmm. but there's a better, what I think is a better thing is you get allowances. You can build more units if you make some of them affordable. So mm-hmm. it, it's like actually giving a profit motive to making affordable housing. Yeah. Um, and so like there, there were some left NIMBYs praising that they got this thing shut down. And uh, a lot of people were like, okay, we were going to get 30 affordable units. We now have zero. So thanks. And the other thing I would, um, kind of compare it to is, um, like bail funds, Mm. bail funds are bad or like not bail funds, cash bail and cash bond, whatever is bad, but nobody is saying don't, donate to a bail fund because that propagates bail or whatever. Yeah. So I think it's, let me say this. I don't think it's a perfect analogy. Right. I think the kernel of it is good. Um, I mean, obviously like, like I, I, I mean, obviously have to be sympathetic to the left NIMBYs and, you know, and to my own viewpoint of like, I really like, I'm, 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 I'm very, anti still anti most developers even though you know ostensibly i want there to be more housing built because i'm really like i don't want these guys to make you know uh to, to make a cent like i like i'm sure if i was a developer it would suck for me that the, my margins are only five to fifteen but i personally from a societal standpoint want their margin to be zero right you know? well i mean all our housing now was built by developers like hell my house was probably ordered out of sears catalog or something yes. um and I want more public social housing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am aware of our current uh, political environment, I guess I'll say. Yes. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of people that I, I'm, I'm caring. I care more about the people that can't wait for the revolution than the timeline for whenever the revolution happens. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the difficult thing about America is that I really don't know when this one's kicking off, guys. Um, I <laughs> it's gotta, all about the timing. 
It's. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it's a, a one of. I mean, one of the, the the perpetual points that we could sit here for the next twenty four hours and and think about is you know what is really really what is to be done, um, and I don't know. Uh, I have. Sorry, I was just noticing how miserable that tree looks. It's good. It's good. It's it's Wind, thinking about housing. Rough. It's thinking about housing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh well. But yeah, Folks, do you have any questions that you want to pick my brain about? And again, I'm not an expert. I can give you some resources to learn more about uh-huh. some of this stuff. Yeah, where can listeners like like research or like learn more about development? One thing that I really liked, uh, one book was The Birth of a Building by, I think it's Ben Stevens. And he really just goes through and uh, the whole thing is just answering the question of like, how, why does a building get built? Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's very much in an American capitalist yeah, setup. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I uh, would recommend everyone read Capital, but I think that's <laughs> for other reasons. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, life and death of great of the great American cities. Um, it's death and life, and it bothers me so much that it's death before death life. life. It's very good, very yeah. idiosyncratic. I, fe- I feel like. The the idiom is life or death, yeah. and well, I always it just irks me so yeah. much. I say it a little tongue in cheek because look, we like to praise Jane Jacobs or whatever for a lot of stuff, but you gotta. But I mean, you, Jane Jacobs, she did say not in my backyard, um, right? But I think you can be well. What, uh, one, what did can, I say? I was a nimby for. Uh, we talked about that. Fuck, uh, something good. Roll back the tapes. Yeah, literally. One, but she was a nimby to. Robert yeah. Moses and one highways going historical through. conditions were different at the time. Yes. Right. Um, obviously two still hilarious. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think she became a little bit more of a NIMBY when she like moved to Toronto, if I yeah. remember. And that's the whole, I got to say this, a new urbanism, um, it, as, as I a have whole, my issues with that. Yeah. It's not like, especially when you first show up, like my first real introduction to urbanist thought outside of like real classroom, like, like my first introduction to, let me say this other people outside of academia, like outside of just from like my geography professors talking about it was like the fucking numb top Facebook group. Right. <laughs> and that group one, I don't think shares that many things in common with uh, the Congress for the new urbanism or no. whatever. But if you ever actually finally sit down and start reading, like, like, like being like, well, okay, what is new urbanism or whatever? You're like, why am I looking at suburbs in Florida all of a sudden? What the fuck? Like, right. <laughs> like, and that's one of the things that I dislike. So I'm, I would say I'm, one of my big things is I and I get a I get a bit of this from uh, strong towns is mm-hmm. I'm pro incremental development. So like going back to the Maxwell development, a lot of people are like, why can't it be you know three or four stories? Mm-hmm. And like one, there's the does it pencil out? But two, also you can't do the three or four stories. Yeah, the, um, we've made that middle uh, pretty much illegal. So what you end up with is like nobody's converting their house into a duplex because it's absurdly expensive with very little payoff. Mm -hmm. And so now all you do is we wait for these big developers to come in, start like assembling all the little parcels into one big parcel so that Mm -hmm. they have enough space that they can build up or build enough to make it make sense. So that's one thing I don't like about Congress for newer urbanism a little bit is Often they focus on like complete, completely new greenfield stuff. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, Norton Commons outside of Louisville is is nice for Greenfield, but I also don't think we should be it's building just, a lot well, of Greenfield. I was, uh, you know, there's uh, there's this like um, I uh, I was like reading about this like one uh, these these well, there's like people that want to like take like their sort of like farmlands that they've inherited or whatever in Central Kentucky. They're like, I'm going to turn it into like into like you know a development, and I'm like, that's just so. They're like, no, 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 no. It's not like you know. It's not going to be all single-family housing, you know. It's, they're going to be close, and there's going to be like a grocery store in the center of town. And I'm like, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, where, where, where are you going to go? What, what that, are you? You're, you're, that's cool. Are you still commuting to Lexington for your yeah, job? That's what you're. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, are you going to? Where's the factory going? Like, you know, where's the post office? Like, if you actually want to do a whole like, it know, at least needs a streetcar line to yes. the actual town. That's <laughs> the thing. Wealthy benefactors, f- feel free go out and go out into some um, uh, self-rule county or what? Mm-hmm. No, we don't have home, home rule. rule. Is is that a, what they have in Kentucky? Well, that's the name of the. That's the class of city is home rule. Yeah, mm-hmm. go go find some home rule place and just uh, just go crazy. Um, but set your own wax zoning laws um, and. Uh, the, the, the build uh, the build Red Vienna. Oh, what's the... the Corbin? I don't know. I'm excited for the R.J. Corbin na- neighborhood. <laughs> Man, talk about it not, would have great rail service. I would hope. It, man, I gotta say, it is scary how much land in Jesmond County R.J. Corbin just owns, like mm-hmm. farmland and stuff. I'm like, what? The? I mean, every every once I'm driving, I'm like, I know these fences. Um, I don't know. It's that guy. RJ, if you're listening. RJ Corman, if you're listening there from the hot, hot depths of hell, um, where I know they play this podcast, I've got. Feel an ex- free to cut us a check. I've got an exclusive syndication agreement with the lower depths of hell for this podcast. Um, you rotten man! You shouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't believe what we got to go through for that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's right. Right after I turned down the Skillshare sponsorship, it all started going. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, so if, if there's a listener who's, who's like heard this podcast and they're like, okay, I agree with some basic principles of Yimbyism. What are their next steps? I mean, so log off. <laughs> there's, um, if you want to actually be involved for change, um, one thing we have is there's the Lexington Urbanist Forum on Facebook, which, I mean, nobody likes the blue site, but it's also yeah. where everybody is. So It was cool. It was how I first met Blake Hall. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, then, I, then I left Facebook. Yeah. Um, so what I debate on it. But um, the, the other thing, it's really hard, and it's probably by design, but, like, planning commission meetings, yeah. unfortunately, Aren't... they're one thirty on a Thursday. So yeah. Just embed yourself in government. There's all those, like... There's like, there's like hundreds of those like committees or whatever that I keep getting told I can join mm-hmm. or whatever. Just go. I'm on the environmental commission. Wow. Can... I, I still don't fully know what they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a year. That's great. Well, you know, Koiber's been in office for two years now. and mm-hmm. um, Does he know yeah. what he does? Oh, no, my God. But got to love him. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of PDR. Yeah. But um, the other thing I would say is like – our, our planning department is actually very forward-thinking and is aware of some of these things, but they are kind of overseen by the planning commission, which uh-huh. is just like, I think it's mayor-appointed, council-confirmed is how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they're actively looking right now at uh, 
removing parking minimums mm-hmm. um, and things like that. They have recently, I mean, there was the whole ADU thing. Um, and so following, even getting like the newsletter for Civic Lex will let you know when some of that stuff happens. That's how I found out about the uh, North Lime mm-hmm. road diet um, because city it, it, does not do social yeah, media. Well. Newsletter. Yeah, I get it. It's a good newsletter. I got to say. Yeah. But um, I would say like find out about that. You can, you know, at me on Twitter and I'll tell you what's going on. If you want to, I think, I think other good um, things, if you want to start seeing uh, more housing, uh, if you want to see the housing problem fixed in America, I'm thinking, um, okay, how am I going to make this joke? How am I going to land this? Like join. <laughs> Be careful. Our legal team is, uh, is joining, uh, join the international workers of the world. Um, uh, Start, you know, um, doing workplace agitations, join a tenants union, um, small firearms training. You don't have to own one. You just have to know how to use one. And that's all we can say um, from the... <laughs> so Lexington, I mean, Lexington has a... Do, a does Lexington have a tenants? Like, yeah. There's, like there's a, the Lexington tenants unit. Right. I, union. Knew I knew that. They are actually... I'll, I will try to do a plug for them because they are doing some sort of... Oh, sweet. I love it when I have it pulled up already. Great. <laughs> uh, Friday, July 22nd at 6 p.m. at the Lyric, uh, they're doing a town hall on the housing crisis hosted by uh, Kentucky Tenants Union. Great. Cool. We'll be there, be square. Exactly. Um, yeah. So uh, 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 which way, modern man? Well. <laughs> Say the line. It's happened again. That's right, folks. That's right. You've wasted another perfectly good hour listening to Lame. Our esteemed executive producer is Charlie Carey. Our designs are from Claire Thompson for ClaireThompsonArt.com, which, hey, you can get a sticker or a button from us if you email us at LexLamePod at gmail.com. For free, we promise. For free, zero dollars. We'll pay you in stickers. (laughs) Yes. In postage. (laughs) In postage. Um, Or buttons, if you so choose. Follow us on Twitter at LamePod. Email us at LexLamePod at gmail.com. I said that before. Um, I don't know. I didn't think of an ending. Blake, do you have an ending? Did you catch the number of that bus he just threw me under? Um, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Five. That's um, and <laughs> even though they build another damn house, and even though... Barry Kelsey, Saturday has an aneurysm. Yeah. Actually, final, final note of the day. Okay. And even... And despite the fact that even Jennifer Reynolds is making... Um, uh, some weird. I'm trying to think. I'm thinking about development. Whatever. This is really. And even though the Yimbies boycott this podcast whenever they hear us say it, exactly. This is lame. That's good. And you know what, Aaron? No, we can never do one worse than that. <laughs> we can only go up from there. <laughs>